Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Opinion or Opportunity. I am your host, Don Gringo, and today is a very exciting show for me. That's a very um, special, special show because of the fact of what we're going to be talking about today. So if you're watching this and you own a business, then this is your show. This is a one of a very possibly a two or three part series that may happen. Uh, we're going to talk about making money in the pandemic. And yes, you heard it right, making money in a pandemic. That's what we're going to talk about. But more importantly, the fear that comes with the pandemic, how to overcome it. I'm going to introduce you to Amanda Barr. She's the founder and CEO of RTB Capital Group. And that's exactly what she specializes in. She helps companies make money. She comes up with you know, strategies uh, you know, after the problem-solving phase, and she helps with implementation across the board. Um, but she is big on you know, overcoming fear. And I think that's the one thing we really need today. And I think you, if you own a business, you need today. Even if you don't own a business and you're thinking about starting a business, this is the show for you to start with. I'll talk to you next time. Please watch. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Okay. So Amanda, please introduce yourself, your company, and actually, more importantly, what you specialize in. I mean, that's the big thing for today. Awesome. Well, thank you first for having me on the show. And I look forward to diving into all kinds of different topics. Um, uh, my company's name is RTB Capital Group and RTB Consulting. And we are a tech media and business consulting group. We also do full service training. Um, one of the things we specialize in is sales training and coming at this from helping businesses from launch to exit. So let me let's start there because I'm looking at the website. I'm looking at some of the services. I'm familiar with some of the services. My IT guy specializes in building websites, custom CRMs, and, and things of that nature. Um, but you know, one of the things I think that's scary for people today, and I think what else I was hoping to get out of you, you specialize in fear, right? Yes. I mean that's that's really the, what I want to talk about with business. So let's start off with that and start off strong. So my question now becomes. Is this a good market to start a business in? Well, I think what we've encountered over this last year is a flood of people that are no longer able to keep their the job they had, right? There's a lot of people that were let off, or if they weren't let off, they said, how do I protect myself? How do I create something of my, my own? And so you'll... If you look across the country, there's a lot of people that are opening entities. Now, are they going to do something with it? Are they ready? That's kind of the question. And I think this is where the fear factor comes in is, yeah, anybody can do anything. They can start their own company. They can start something. But do they know what it takes? And that fear factor. Are you able to overcome yourself? <laughs> and this is what we talk about is overcoming the mindset that we sometimes come into these things with. And have I really thought everything through and have a process to follow that starts taking that fear away because I'm doing things that are actually moving it forward? Well, let's talk about one of the first things I think that's always important when you're starting your own business is there's always this misconception of how much money you should have saved before you do it. Now, within this market and people losing jobs, and they do specialize in certain areas. Is it really feasible today to, if you don't have X amount of dollars to open it? And is that a real fear? So in your experience, um, what is that dollar amount today? Um, you need to look at this kind of in a, what we say, a way of yourself. Like, what is your expenses? So if I were to start my own business, I would actually look at how much do you need? Like what's your expenses every single month? And let's plan for six months to potentially a year. If you were able to save up enough to last, let's say if you made $0 for six months until you hit that either that first big deal or things started to filter through. But you also have to factor in what is it going to cost to run my business? What is it going to cost to host it? What is it going to cost to have the website? What is it going to cost to have all the different pieces that are come together and also factor that in as well? So it's a mixture of your expenses and that might be different on where you live. So if you're living in a place where the cost of living is lower, you might not need it as much as somebody else. However, 
you might have kids, you might have different things happening. So how can you cover yourself? How can you have enough runway in case nothing happens? And also, how can you have enough to just keep your business moving forward? Because it's not it's not free. I mean, there's obviously places out there where you can literally start from free. But if you want to make money, you got to put money in. All right. So let's go over that from another perspective. So we talked about money. But one of the things we got to talk about, too, is a lot of businesses open and close because of the fact of follow through. They, people don't anticipate the actual challenges. Everyone thinks when you own a business that um, you're your own boss. You have all this wonderful time. Um, I get it often like, well, you can do whatever you want. You can drop on a dime of a hat. And it's, it's not like that. It's really not. And you're working weekends sometimes like during the weekend to make up for the time that you have to commit to your family. On the weekend, because it's not a nine to five job where your family goes, okay, well, daddy's gone, mommy's gone till five o'clock or whatever your shift is, right? So it's, it's a lot different experience and you do have to compromise and give up somewhere. So I guess the, one of the things besides your home situation and your financial situations, we got to look at it from, say, a personality, right? Because there's certain personalities that are prone to succeed more than others, right? Depending on depending on the company you're looking to start, right? The industry. So let's do a breakdown of, uh, in your opinion, of obviously, in your experience as the expert, what industries are more successful for more personal, for different personality groups to help overcome a fear? You know, if, uh, should I do this? You know, people may be putting themselves in the wrong category. You know, there's a lot of people who want to be something in life, but they're really good at something else they don't like, but they can make a very successful life doing what they don't like. And everyone keeps telling them, hey, you got to do X because you love it, but they're not going to succeed all the time. Majority of the time we fail. So what is the personality breakdown that if you had to say was a good recipe? Yeah. And we can talk about structuring a team around that to Mm -hmm. overcome certain fears. But if you had to say, okay, we have the money, um, we are in Texas. So for instance, I'm a veteran, so I don't pay, no, I'm a veteran owned business. So I don't pay sales tax, excuse me, income tax or anything like that to the state. Right. So I'm fortunate. Texas is very good to businesses. Why a lot of companies are moving here. Um, but in your experience, if you had the financial recipe down, if you had the home life situated to where you could do this. What personality would say would fit best fit, say, a service industry? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd actually like to just back up one step because I think in the prep of having a business, there's a few things you need to make sure. And we have um, a program called Are You Ready for a Startup? Okay. And it's looking at are you mentally readily, ready? Are you emotionally ready? Are you physically ready? And are you financially ready? And another component that I thought about adding was actually like, are you spiritually ready? Meaning your purpose. Like you're saying, like, there's this disconnect. I want to do this, but I'm really good at this. Now, how can I make it work? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're mentally ready, meaning your mindset's there, you um, have thought this through, you've got a game plan, you're emotionally ready, you're, you've taken that and you know what fears you have. I think one thing that people don't look at is you really need to become aware of what you're afraid of. And this is that hard conversation when you got to have with yourself, when you sit down and even ask other people, like, what do you see that I struggle with? What do you see that I'm really good at? Just so I can get another perspective. Because sometimes we live in this world that we think we are a certain way, but the way we are actually, like the way we fulfill on our actions and the way we're doing things might actually look a little different. The impact might be different. So being able to say like, what am I really good at? What do I love? What do I struggle with? And, And really diving into those different components and then seeing like, if I were to start this business, what am I going to be able to excel at? And in talk about sales, like you've got the closer, you've got the consultant, and you've got the, um, what is the third one? Um, the consultant, the closer, and you've got like more customer service, right? You've got um, different people. But what's beautiful is if you weave these three together, it's like the night dynamic trio. And most of the time, people that are multitaskers and they can do these things, they're really good. But there's a lot of key things you said was follow through. If you already know, I think it's what you don't know is what's right. fearful. If you already know, you need to follow up with somebody nine to 12 times before they will even probably even think about saying yes. You'll get the one-offs to say, oh, yeah, I love what you're doing. Let's do it. Um, well, but I that's gotta- a 
I got to interject there because I, I find in my, my um, experience, uh, you know, and I have a varied experience of sales. My first sales job was in the car industry. Yeah. Um, right. And that is a big high turnover situation and it takes uh, a lot to stay in that industry. Um, when I first got in and we're talking yeah. 97 um, after the military and um, women who were in it were extremely successful if they could stay in it. It was really a man's industry, right? But sales was like, you got to hit them when they're on the lot and you got to get their information if they're not buying today. You're only going to follow up a couple of times. And when you didn't follow up you know, a couple of times, they just turn around and gave that lead to somebody else and they're only going to follow up a couple of times. So I think the dynamic um, on sales is so varied because in a service industry, you follow up and follow up and follow up, but the sale is not a hard sale. It's not a, a, a closed sale. So I, I think if we're going to talk about the sales process, and that's a very scary process for anyone who's never been in sales, for anyone who's transitioning from one category to another, right? One right. industry to another. Um, you know, I may be a great closer, but I might not be a great service guy. Mm -hmm. Right. So this goes back into like what kind of personality fits what if you're going to own a business or let's talk about it from a sales perspective. I mean, what have you seen as the industry average as far as um, sales guidelines and what do you typically try to fix? Yeah, um, great question. And the third one I just want to say is connector, connector, consultant and closer. Um, knowing the differences. Also, you you mentioned something that's very important. If you're doing transactional sales versus relationship-based, I was coming from a perspective, relationship-based sales is where you're literally building a relationship. And I think one thing put me people don't really think about is like, when I'm coming to talk to somebody, if I don't think I'm bringing value, like if my belief system is down where like, I don't know if I can do anything for this person. I don't know if I can really bring value to this person. If you already come through the door, how the heck is this person going to believe that you can actually do something for them if you don't believe yourself that you can do something for them? And it sounds kind of crazy, but if you look at those that are really successful, they come in with the confidence, not an arrogance, but a confidence that they know that they can take you to the next level is wherever they are, you're listening for the problems. And most people, when you have a conversation with them, they're not telling you their real problems. They're telling you the smoke screens. So you want to listen to them. You want to dive deeper. What is happening? What about this? And when you start finding the real problem and then what's the impact of the problem, they're not able to do this in their business. They're not able to move forward. When you find the impact and you can solve the actual problem that they're having, then you have a better chance of closing that deal. And you won't them all, but you will get the ones that are ready to go. And it's a timing thing. Everything, is, you probably know this, it's a timing thing. It, well, it can be timing. It can be timing. And I look at transactional sales versus relationships. I'm in relationship sales now, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm yeah. a manufacturer rep. Um, I get paid for the work that I do over the duration I have it, right? So for me, it's not just about getting a sale. It's about penetration into a client, right? Into that, into that market, into their, into their needs. But the right. difference here too, as I think, you know, it takes a lot because when you're talking relationship sales, there's that immediate distrust. They may want to talk to you, but they really distrust you because, you know, it takes a lot to earn that. And once you have it, it's hard for them to let it go too. Like when they're done with you, there has to be a very dramatic reason to, to end this relationship if you've been good to them. But the, that fear, again, we're talking fear. So if we're going to look at it from both sides, let's look at it from an owner side. I mean, you've, you've obviously dealt with these people. So uh, if we're talking about fear from an owner, he wants to get the information from someone say like you, and you obviously honesty is the best policy, but there's that initial fear factor of telling you what's really going on in the business because they don't want to look like they're not successful or they're not doing things right because your job is to come in and reshape it to be better. Not that it's bad, but to be better, right? So what is the process that an owner should take to overcome that fear? Yeah. I think it's all in the questioning. Um, one of the things we ask when we get on calls is like, for this call today. Um, one reason we ask this is because I want to know 
where is this person coming into the conversation? If you have if you have two people coming into the same conversation with different ideas of what this conversation will be like, you might have a mismatch, right? The owner might be coming and going, I just want to hear what you're doing. And the other person, the salesperson is going, well, I want to close them on this deal because I think it's going to be good for them. So when we can align the conversation and maybe, and, and if the salesperson isn't doing it, then the owner needs to make sure that they're on the same page. Like, I just want to share that today, I would like to know about your business. I would like to find out about X, Y, and Z and see if this is a fit. And if it's coming in, like sometimes people come in softer and they're like, well, let's just see what synergies we might have. Um, this is a tactic to just open that conversation because you don't really know what what's possible yet. And the conversation will lead it. So I think the best way for an owner is to really ask those questions and ask about what they need to know for themselves. Like if they're making decisions, what are their qualities in the people they work with? Yeah, in integrity is one, uh, trustability, punctuality. You know, did the person show up on time? Did they deliver? Did they follow up with me? Did they follow some of the basic steps that we all are accustomed to? Mm -hmm. um, you'd be surprised that a lot of people don't. Um, so, I mean, I've heard many companies that will say, you know, they told me they would send a proposal and then they never sent one. Or um, they said that they would do this and they didn't do it. They haven't followed up with me. They said they were going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. So I think one of the things, even early in a relationship is they see you as not a, um, that we're working together. The salesperson sees I'm building this relationship from the beginning. A client will accept you when they say yes. And that's when you've got to turn it on even more because some people drop, right? They, they do a high start and then they get them as a client and then they don't take care of them as well. So this also is a disappointment for business owners. And you can ask, what does it look like after we are working together? Are you going to be in touch with me? Are you going to be in conversation? Am I going to know what's happening? What's the follow through? Do I get updates? Um, how do I reach out to you? So I don't know if that helps, but those are just some things that are coming up. No, ab absolutely. And let's, let's face it. I mean, we're in a market where fear and uncertainty is the driving factor for a lot of decisions because business owners are trying to, one, hold on to their business. I, like, I, for instance, know a lighting company. I think I've explained this to you. The guy always usually has a million dollars or more product on the ocean coming from China or other places at a given time. Yeah. Um, and just to keep his employees employed, he stopped doing a lot of the building overseas and he's now building fixtures in his no sight. And it's like, he's looking at me going, Chris, the market's just down. I'm only building 50 to 100 fixtures a week. You know, it's like, I'm trying to do what I can to keep these people employed. And it's like, you know, people don't want to make decisions. Um, and I think decisions they're making, and I think what a lot of us do, um, is we kind of pull back. But there's also a lot of successful people out there who actually run the risk and the opposite philosophy that when other people are pulling back, that's when you got to go out there and get it, right? So is one strategy better than the other? Um, I would say it's all dependent on the industry. And you, in any industry, we have competitors. And if you are sitting back, one thing that we learned this year is if you sit back, absolutely nothing's going to happen <laughs> for your business, for anything that's going on. You have to keep moving. And, and you also have to be able to shift through what is happening. So if I'm not able to do exactly what I do the way I'm doing it, I also think we're going to see a new shift coming in the next year, no matter what happens politically, whatever. But there's going to be this shift of communication. We're going to need to be able to communicate better. We're going to need to be able to uh, move quicker. And if you're not quick on what you're doing and you're not moving. We already know technology is taking off, but if you're slower on this, you might be edged out by the people that are moving faster. And I always look at those companies that are doing well and the decision makers are making decisions and they're not afraid to make those decisions and sometimes make them quick and, and then follow through with it. And in anything you make, obviously these are big decisions, how can you work with it and how can you implement it? And do you need to make a new decision? The fear is making just the decision. <laughs> so let's talk about you and your company then because you're the expert here. So does RTB actually have a process in place when they're talking to owners or could put a process in place to help owners make these decisions? I mean, what's, what's your, mm -hmm. what's your, what's your feel on this? I mean, obviously you're here, you're talking and you, you go out and promote your own company. So you must have 
I don't want to say a solution because there's never a one size fits all, but you must have a strategy, right? I mean, something where you walk in and you sit down with people and say, we can do this. Talk about your process on creating those strategies for your clients, because anyone who sees this, who may be interested in saying, no, life ain't ever going to be the same after this and sales ain't ever going to be the same after this. So let's talk about the, uh, the business side, but let's talk about the sales side because I'm looking at your website and some of these things may be skewered or some of these things, the priority may be different, right? In the, in the coming months, they just may be yeah. different because we don't know what we see on the other side yet. So let's talk about RTB, what it does for the business on making those decisions now. What's the process that you put in, uh, a company through? Yeah. So the first one is just when we first initially meet, it's just a discovery. I'm not here to solve your problems at the beginning. I'm just here to listen. I want to hear what's happening. Where are you? People have three types of plans. The one they think they have, the one they want to have, and the one they really have. And we're looking to align the one you really have to the one you where you want to be. Now, what's missing? So in this whole process, we're going through first that discovery. And then we take everything we can from you. And if we need to have a couple meetings to really gather more, we will. But then it's creating the game plan around how to implement whatever is missing. If it be a marketing plan, if it be a sales strategy, if it be um, a website design and they're stuck. So in that um, next meeting, so it's a first a discovery and then a recommendation. After the recommendation, we also have a tiered approach where we go into phases where it's like the kickoff phase and then we go into uh, design or implementation or gathering or research. And we go through this with each client, like where are we going to be going? I think one thing that I love about um, processes is that people know where they're going, the fear factor goes down. Right. If you just say like, oh, we're going to be here and then we're going to finish Hopefully in three months, you know, it's going to be like, oh, my God, what's, what are they doing? Um, and I'm also big on when we work with clients is having weekly meetings with them. It's almost like we're a part of your team, even though we're not. But if I'm having a weekly meeting, I get to tell you where we are. I get to hear what's happening in the business. If something changes, we can implement that into whatever we're working on and then move things forward. So in uh, taking more of an integrated approach. Um, especially in the service-based industry that like I'm in and relationships, things are changing. How can we maneuver and how can we um, tear up and down what is working and not? Like, let's say something happened. They didn't have enough, you know, the advertising side. We need to lessen that. We need to do this and we need to re-strategize. Okay, let's shift and move it through and then lay the groundwork and then action-oriented implement it. Um, one of the things on the marketing plans and I've had um, startups and different companies come and they say, I've got a plan. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> Somebody built me something and it looks awesome. I have no idea how to make this work. And one thing that I'm really big on is if we're going to put something into place, especially marketing or sales, it's going to have a daily, weekly, monthly. I need to be able to know what myself and my team are doing every single day and then time blocking, making sure you're seeing the value of the time that you're building your business forward as well as taking care of the clients you have. So so one of the things you put in there was, you know, uh, when you get into a meeting and, and your first step is listening, right? <clears throat> Unfortunately, there's two sizes. That's what I find. There's two sizes, right? There's the owner who's not going to tell you everything because he doesn't want to tell you everything. He's just uncertain because you just walk through the door. And then there's that flip side. There's that there's that percentage of people when you walk through the door, they lay everything out and they're like, I want the answer now. Give me it now. Right. right? I mean, it's like, uh, I just got the info. I really <laughs> need to flesh this out. How do you temper expectations on that first meeting? I mean, not without making someone step back and not do it, but how are you tempering expectations, especially in the pandemic economy where yeah. everything's fly by the seat? I mean, you just don't know. Yeah, I think it's in that in the initial beginning of the conversation, we asked, like, what's your expectation of this meeting? Obviously, I want to learn more about you. You want to learn more about me. And if we find this is a good fit to continue the conversation, we can decide at that moment. So instead of feeling like we've got to, um, it's going to have to work or it's got to be a certain way, if you leave it a little bit more open, is my feeling is you can then have each person agree. When you get agreement to move forward, you've got to 
stronger a stronger percentage that you're going to potentially close this deal or at least get it to the next level. And if you know that somebody is just closed off, then it's just you know saying, hey, I don't think it. Maybe it's not the right time. Right. <laughs> and yeah. maybe it's not the right time for them, and that's okay because it's not going to be the right time for everybody. And when it is the right time, and you feel comfortable with me, and if there's anything I can do to to um, help you gain that comfort or that trust in me. Let me know what I can do. What do you need to see? What do you want to hear? Um, I'm happy. I'm an open book. What do you want? Um, but but just coming in with that perspective, I think kind of can change things because I'm not here to you know sell you something. I'm here to bring you value. I don't want to do anything that's un- going to undo any good work you've already got either. How can we work with different things? Like I work with branding experts. I work with different people they're working with already. Because they're good at what they do. So now how can we fill in the gap? Well, that, that's that's one of the things, too, when it's very difficult when you're dealing with a client and they have a reasonable amount of success. But it's funny because you'll talk to a client and they'll be like, well, I'm doing this stuff. And you look and you're going, you're doing it wrong. But there's always that old analogy. Even a bad plan worked consistently gets <laughs> results, right? I mean, it's still a bad plan, but yeah. you got to get them to transition. How do you get them to honestly look at the plan and go, okay, maybe this was a bad decision, but there's that fear factor of saying, well, how do I switch gears and switch gears smoothly enough to, I don't see the dip in sales or I don't see the dip uh, in in clientele or income because that's a, that's a factor. And you're talking about value. And if you're going to walk in and restructure certain things to make it better, how do you, how do you get them to overcome that fear and honestly look and go, yeah, I, I was wrong. Because remember, they're making money. They're still making money, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that there's something powerful in that is, what if I could show you a way, right? I'm not going to tell you a way. What if I could show you a way that could potentially impact your business or increase what you're doing already? I don't want to come in and switch everything, but if we could show you a way and transition through, right? If it's something that they're making money, how can we transition through or how can we add it in addition to? So it's always looking at what's the bottom line, time, money, and results. How much time do we have in the day? How much of their team can apply to that? And what results are they really looking for? Because really the end game is like, we could put in a whole new strategy and it could be great. And it could actually do exactly the same amount, right? Right. In their mind, it could be like, well, you did all this, but it's the same results. So we're looking at what kind of results do they want? Can our plan exceed that result? How can we transition through? What's the best way? We're talking to their team. We're looking at what's happening. I think when you come in, like thinking you know everything exactly the way it's going to be, it's different for each business. We've got to really get into their world and find out what are they dealing with and what are they doing that's working and what are the blockages? Because it could be just some quick switch that might change it all for them. It could be something very simple and we don't have to actually change everything. But if you're not getting inside on the inside and looking at it, you wouldn't know. So we don't come in saying we're just going to change everything. We're going to say, how can we relieve the blocks? How can we integrate something in. If I could show you a way, you know, let's talk. All right. So I'm, I'm looking at this RTV sales ninja system yeah. going on here, but I got, I'm looking at the, did you know section? Because honestly, I'm looking at the, did you know section? And I'm looking at the <laughs> pandemic going this, did you know, the priorities are probably going to change, right? I mean, we don't know where it's going to be, but let's talk about some of the old um, things that you have, not so much old. Let me rephrase that. Current things yeah. are on a website that may change because yeah. Sales is changing, right? Right. So let's talk about what you have here, how you perceive it changing, because we don't know if salespeople are still going to have to work from home, if there's going to be limited travel. Like I'm on limited travel. I'm not going to travel all over in the pandemic. Certain states like Massachusetts went back into curfew. I mean, um, we don't know what's going to happen. So everything's run state by state. I used to travel all over, but- now right. I'm kind of like, mm, I don't don't know if I want to travel all over, <laughs> right? So <laughs> right. let's get into the first one. So 50% of sales professionals never follow up with a prospect. How true does that stand today in the pandemic with your clients? How, how are you seeing the difference in that? Is it more important now, follow through? Oh, absolutely. I think there's something very um, interesting about sales. And as much as things are changing, certain things will stay the same. 
And I know that kind of sounds backwards, but when it comes to relationships, you got to look at what does the relationship mean? If you're going to put time and effort into something, that is literally like reaching out to people. If you only did it once or twice, which is the standard, most people reach out at least one time. And then usually it has a significant drop to that next next step, right? I didn't follow up a second time. And most time when you get to three and above, people just don't do it. And is that, is that a, is that a, is in your experience though? I mean, depending on the sales industry though, like if you're in hard sales, it's all yeah. about the people in front of you. If you're talking correct. service industry though, I would presume that would be different, correct? You'd be surprised. I mean, we're pulling these numbers. This is not something we created internally. These are numbers we're looking at that others are saying as well. It's just something. And I'd be hard pressed to see how many people would really, you know, out there say, yes, I follow up at least seven to 10 to 12 times with one person that I think could be a viable prospect for myself. Now, there's and, a lot of people out there, though, when you say seven to 10 to 12, they might look at you and go, you're, you're absolutely crazy because. <laughs> And maybe some owners too, because why would I want my salespeople wasting that much time on a prospect that may not be interested or may not be even taking the call? So give me, give me the reason why I'm hearing seven to 10 to 12 times. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of times. I know. Well, I didn't say how you had to touch them. Oh, okay. All right. So in terms of when you're, you see the first few should be phone and email. Why? Because you're trying to build a real relationship between you and them. However, there are so many different ways to touch them. And our methodology is if you can touch them at least once a month, you keep a top of mind because you think about a website. Somebody might say, I need a website. And they said this January of 2020, right? And we're now in December, like, oh my God, I need a website. Um, But (laughs) you know, it just, the year went and people, they know, but sometimes they forget. And then they go, well, who do I know that does this? Well, if you're already out of the game and you're not touching them either through newsletter or through, you know, shows like this, and they don't remember, they're going to go to who they do remember. And that might not be you. And you might've been actually the perfect one for them. So it's really a game of like, how can you touch them in different ways? So it not, it doesn't get annoying. If you're going to call somebody 12 times, please don't. Don't call them 12 times. Find different ways to touch them. Send them a really cool article. Like maybe there's an article that you know for this community that you're reaching out to, your niche. They would just love it. They'd eat it up. So send them that. Send it. Send them information. Send a video. Invite them to a webinar you're doing. Invite them to a podcast you just did that you would love for them to hear. Some of the things that were talked about you thought might be valuable. Maybe it's not even yours. Send them to somebody else's. Like <laughs> this you, one, right? Like this one. Right, like this one. Like we this can send this out to everybody. So, so let me ask, let me ask yeah. a question. Let me ask a question because yeah. we're looking at this and you're talking about all these philosophies. This is part of the analyzation and implementation that RTB does, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also can raise the bar again. <laughs> There's always, <laughs> and that's what RTV stands for, raise the bar. I think one thing is, that's interesting, and I think a lot of us business owners, you know, you start off on a good foot and then, and that's where consistency reigns king. If right. you are not consistent with this, don't start because um, I'm guilty of it. We start things. And then if you stop it, then people don't think you're consistent. Right. <laughs> so when you're choosing out the game plan, let's look at 2021, right? I've got a whole game plan coming in the end of the year and going forward. But one thing that um, I've been dealing with, and I think other owners are dealing with is there's so many opportunities out there and you could do everything, but can you run a podcast, write a blog, write a book, um, do a newsletter, you know, run a YouTube channel, like, yeah, it's possible, but what's going to be the best for you and your clients and what's going to be the best for your time? You know, it's funny because you bring that up. It's like, for instance, follow through for me has been very tough because my IT guy has been extremely busy building uh, out websites and CRMs and things of that nature. Because like you said, technology, especially today, we're going to get into that in a minute, but technology is reigning supreme on trying to keep industries on the inside track and up to date with their clients and, and things moving forward. That even like my website, I just it's just stopped because between me and him, our schedules are just so opposite. So even with me, it's like I haven't put my foot down, but I can't really force it either because 
it's partly my fault. So we just need to learn to make the time and make that commitment like everything else, like every other New Year's resolution coming around the corner in the next couple of months, right? <laughs> well, there's one there's one on here, though, on this list that um, I, I want to, after this, you know, a little bit of a conversation we had, um, yeah. I really think that needs to be addressed because it's, the question is, do you know the percentage of sales made on the 5th to 12th contact? So explain why that even today in this situation why that what it is and why it's more important uh moving forward yeah so the percentage is 80 percent and 80 percent yeah that's what i mean if you look it up 80 percent there is something to be said about people that actually are touching base with you i think it's like um if you think about like do you really care about what I'm doing? Do you really, are you really in it? But if you have that first conversation and they get to know you and then you follow up, there's a cool process that some people don't do, which I'm, I need to do myself is if you send a follow up video to somebody after you had, like, let's say after this, I sent you a follow up video and I said, it was so great being on the show. This is super fun. Now I'm going to have to do it right. Um, you know, <laughs> this, it's going to um, leave a different impression. So Really, if you can touch base with one person and you can show yourself unique in different ways, if you're touching these people, not the same way, don't call them five times in a row, but you brought value in different ways, five times to 12, whatever that number might be. There's a higher percentage if you can close that person, but people give up too soon. It's like three feet from gold. Right. You're like, I reached out to them already 10 times. For instance, um, there was an example, my husband, he's in the financial industry and he would meet this lady over and over and over. And at some point I was like, are you going to just stop meeting her because it's getting a little <laughs> old? Like you are just wasting your time. And right. this is what comes up. The fear comes up like I'm wasting my time. But if you know somebody has a problem and you know you can solve it and you know there is, and I wouldn't say do this with everybody, but choose the ones you really think are going to be uh, incredible, you really want to work with, that it was like 12 times he reached out to her, had in-person meetings, one to two hours each. And she did three or four different things with him at that year mark. And what, what was she doing? She was building trust. She was seeing, is he really following through? Is he having this? And yeah, it's a long process for sales in a service-based industry, not transactional. The transactional guys are out there going, oh my God, I can't do it. <laughs> what half is she of me saying? cringing, right? But half of me is cringing, but the other half, I'll be honest with you, I can relate to that because um yeah um uh, i turn around and uh it took me about three three and a half years for one client mm -hmm. right? but part of it was my fault part of it was my fault like i was specializing in one particular segment of what i did at the yeah. time right and this was earlier on in my career but i was really specializing really knowledgeable um but the difference was his relationship with his guy was so strong yeah. Um, but he loved my tenacity. He loved my knowledge base. <laughs> he loved everything else I could do. And then finally, you know, after three and a half years, I just finally said, well, is there anything else that I can do? If you love all this stuff about me, what right. is there something I can help you with? He said, well, what about this? And I was like, it, oh it's my, my fault. Because, that was the question. <laughs> right, three and a half years. But I knew I worked well with this guy, so I kept yeah. at it. But yeah. I just couldn't overcome that relationship that he already built. I mean, it was there. It had been there for years, and it wasn't wasn't going away. Um, yep. And I think we get tunnel visioned on mm -hmm. what we think we is the best thing that we can do. And sometimes it's not about what we can do. It's about what they need us to do. Right. Right. And he was more than happy with me not being the expert in what he asked me to do because he knew that with the effort and energy and intelligence I had behind what I already did, that if he asked me to get him this information, then I would be up I would be up to speed pretty fast. So it was it was very yeah. it was very cool. It was a learning process for me. It was early on in my career. And yeah, we're still friends today. He still calls me every time. He's like Hey, I'm I'm building this brand new product and it's going to be in a different industry and I need to put together a sales team and do you know people and blah 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 and I'm sitting there going, yeah, Mike, I got gotcha. you. Again, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> but I think there's something beautiful, and I also want to make sure that I make a point as you were sharing, like. 
don't follow when we say like five to 12 times, this is somebody you've had a conversation with, you know, they have a problem, you know, because they told you if you're just cold following up with people that many times, you're probably going to waste your time if you're trying to do really in-depth stuff. And it'd probably be easier to put them on some kind of drip system where they're just getting stuff from you because you just reached out. These are the people that you have met, you've had a conversation with, you think you can actually touch their lives in some way and asking that maybe we should put that into the system, like asking that question sooner. How can I help you? If I could connect you even with somebody, who could I connect you with? I mean, we've been pulling this one like because this year it's like you don't know what people are going through because even the traditional way that you've done business and you might work in an industry, but they're going, well, those are not my problems anymore. (laughs) Do you know this? And so it's asking that question. I think that's highly valuable. What do you need help with and how can I get you connected? If it's not me, who can I connect you with? And I'll I'll tell you what, I've I've actually... I didn't believe it in the beginning because remember, I came from hard sales. I didn't believe it yeah. in the beginning. It wasn't, it was networking, but not at this level, right? It was, right. it was not. Um, but I think what people really need to understand, and I think also owners need to understand, is this um, if you have a really good salesperson and he's got relationships and he's referring something out, it's not that he's not trying to give your company business, it's that you may not be the best fit for that business, right? I, I've worked for some people. Before yeah. owning my business, who are they don't want anything going out, but it, I would look at them and say, "But we can't do it to standard." Right. So, do we hurt the relationship by doing it because you want the dollar, or do we want to say, "Okay, we lose this one, but he'll call me for the next two or three. Right. And I think a lot of people, a lot of businesses, especially today with the uncertainty of and, and business going downhill for the most part for a long time, um, they don't want to pass up any opportunity, but. Right they still need to realize there's some opportunities that you just need to pass up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's um, the whole aspect of, you know, is it a good fit um, is high. It's, it's key, especially in this because, and I, you know, made that mistake where I thought we were a good fit and we actually, I probably should have handed off to somebody else. It was just a little bit outside of our expertise and, and acknowledging that and saying, okay, I don't come into this with ego. And I think like you're saying, you're going to be seen in a higher light Mm -hmm. because of being able to say, you know what, I think we could do this, this, and this, but that's a little bit beyond my specialty. And, and if you're not one, if you are one to work hard, like you're, you're saying, like he knew how hard I would work, I will figure this out and I will get you to the finish line. There are people like that. They, they can do it. And if you can do it, then you're going to probably bring in the people you need to make it happen. Meaning if you don't are not a content writer, you're not these things, you're going to bring somebody else in that's good at it. And so even going back to the beginning, when people saying starting a company, I'm not good at sales. Well, if you come into it th- thinking I'm not good at it, who is that right. you know? So, um, and in any of those different ways, like service-based industries, I think it's just it's great to be able to really um, understand where you are, and then having the um, the confidence to just say, "Hey, I don't know that," or "I'm that's not my thing," but I can get you connected to somebody that will help you. Well, it's, it's, I think it's confidence, but I think the confidence comes with one experience and two relationships. I mean, I think, and that's yeah. what I think other people need to realize, whether they're in hard sales or, or relationship sales, is there's still a lot of relationships that you are going to want to have, even if it's not there. And it's just because of the fact it gives you a, a better knowledge base, well-rounded base. And when people talk to you, you can talk to more people and you don't per se have to be the expert. You know, like I run my own business. I'm not saying I'm highly successful, but I do well. I mean, I don't need to be highly successful. I have no children, me and my wife. I mean, so we're comfortable, (laughs) right? Um, uh, But but I'm always ambitious and moving forward, but I'm doing it at a calculated rate because I don't want burnout, right? So I'm doing, right. I got my hands in many, many things. Um, but there's just a lot of relationships. And the more you have, the better off you are as a person because I can, like, after meeting you, I can say, no, I, I don't do that. Uh, but know what, Mike? I know who does. Here you go. Mando will take care of you. We're fine. We're, we're good, yeah. you know, and he calls me all the time. Well, I'm, I'm going to be in this new industry. What do you think the, the easiest way to get into the market is? And all of a sudden I became, you know, this expert in get, breaking into fields I've never 
been in in my life and still ain't in, but I had to do research because he's a client and I'm not going to tell him no. And we're friends now. It's like, I'm not going to tell this poor man no. But at the same time, he refers everyone to me. He calls me on my personal cell. I mean, so the confidence comes with, I think, the more people you know, the more people who trust you, the more people who believe in you. And it's okay to say no at that point. I think that's where a lot of salespeople fall short in the beginning is they don't have the confidence. They haven't had any success. They haven't had everything they look at as a potential failure, right? I mean, if you've not been successful, if you're in a new transition from industry to industry and you never sold that product, there's always that initial thing of I'm going to fail. But it's always in the back of your head because people tell you it's okay to fail, but they don't believe it, right? I mean, what do you think? I think that failure... um it's uh, unfortunately it's part of almost all of us at some level, shape, or form. Any type we take, any time we take something new on, right? It's the unknown, right? If I don't know what's coming, I don't know if I'm going to win. I'm going to fail. Some people start off really strong, and then they just do the nose dive. Like you're like, oh my god, they're great at this, and then it's like, um, and then there's the ones that just like slow, steady pace, and then it just exponentially grows. I actually like those better because they're really in the trenches, learning about how to do it. And I always say when you're starting a company or you're starting something new, give yourself six months to a year because it will take, they say, to be an expert in something, it takes 10,000 hours. That's a lot of hours of being in this space and learning it and really understanding it. So if you already come into it going, I know it's going to take time. I know it's going to take some effort and that I know I'm going to be told no. And that's okay because no doesn't always mean no. It might mean (laughs) not right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes it's no. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes it's no, but you got to hear, but, but sometimes it like your friend, right? No, no, I don't need it. I don't need it. Oh, do, what do you do? What do you really need? Oh, I need this. Well, for you, that was a yes, but it was a no all the way up to the yes. Right. So, right. um, I think looking at, and when we come into this, looking at, okay, it's new, it's fearful. I'm scary. Okay. What are you afraid of? Remember what's the fear? What do I believe now? If I can transform my beliefs, there's this, um, when I talk about fear, there's three ways to get through fear. And one is just awareness. What am I afraid of Two, What are my beliefs around this? Like what's my belief around success? What's my belief around sales? What's my belief about being on the phone? A lot of people are scared of the phone. However, they're on the phone all the time, right? With their friends and their family. And it's, it's like, it should be so natural, but you put them on a call with a business owner. It's like, ah, and all things freeze. <laughs> and it's like, they forgot everything and they have no idea how to talk to somebody because it's so scary. And, and I only say that because I've been the one on that line going, oh my God, what am I going to say? Like, if you're just listening and that's where you take the fear factor down. If I'm just coming into this, like, hey, I want to learn more about you. You want to learn more about me. Let's find out how we can work together. If it's not a fit right now, great. You know, maybe I can touch base with you in three to six months, see what's happening then. So it starts to take the fear factor down when you have some some pieces. But one of the things about beliefs is you've got to rewrite your beliefs. If you have beliefs that are negative or not fitting to um, what you want to create in life. So let's say I can't do this. It's too overwhelming. I'm not good at sales. These things will wrap around our mind all the time. I'm a failure. I always fail. Every time I start something, I never get through it. Like when we start saying this, what are you going to believe if you keep saying it every single day? Are you going to think like, I can do anything. All I need to do is make another call. All I need to do is this. So if you rewrite these and just write the opposite, like take a sheet of paper, write down all the things that you say, like you cannot do, you're not good at, and then write it the opposite way. And it's it's a weird trick, but if you rewrite your belief system on these things and then live it over and over, even when you don't believe it at first, because you'll start to believe it when you start to see things happen and you so start basic, losing basic- so basically we need yeah. to be teenagers again, right? We need to we need to rebel against a system, our own system that we can't. Yeah. No, I can. It's like having your parents when you're a teenager yeah. tell you, "No, you can't." And you go, "Yes, I, yes, can, I can." Right? <laughs> I can do this. So we need that teenage attitude again, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, a little with bit the maturity it. to think it through, but we need that I can do attitude. So Let's do this. Yep. We, uh, I know you you uh, only allotted a certain amount of time, but let's get into uh, yeah. one aspect of this that we, we've gotten so far into. This, this is good. I, I believe <laughs> we should be doing this again, but let's get into this. So 
RTB, okay. if you had to pick two or three specializations today, moving forward, where would that be? Talk about the technology because we've talked a lot about your sales process, but we have talked very little yeah. about your technology. And maybe we can save that for another time if you so choose. Yeah. Um, but then let's talk about um, policies moving forward that are going to dictate business as you see it, right? Because um, no one's saying you have a, a, this magic wand and you know what's going to happen. But let's <laughs> just say, because in my opinion, it doesn't matter today. Who mm -hmm. gets into the presidency? Because either or, it's four years or nothing. If Biden gets in, the Republicans held the Senate. There's still nothing that's going to get done. And if Trump gets in, the Democrats have the House. So nothing's going to get done. So <laughs> I don't think it cares. But most people aren't looking yeah. at it like that. That in my right. this is again this is my opinion, my mm -hmm. personal opinion. But I'm looking at the past. Biden right. will be the first president in 32 years that hasn't come in with both both parts of Congress. So. It's, it's this is still uh, nothing gets done situation. So yeah. as a business owner, when I'm looking at this, right, how do I look at it from a perspective of Biden gets in? What do you think the policy changes will be? Because he's talking increasing corporate taxes. He's talking a lot of things like that. Yeah. And of course, the policies put in place by Donald Trump and where you possibly would see them going. Again, we have the impact of Congress. So what do you personally are predicting, and I'm not saying you're going to be accurate, but what are you yeah. forecasting to your clients? Yeah. So in terms of what's to come, I mean, the on, on looking at taxes, this can, you know, if Biden gets in, this is just, he's already laid it out that it's going to happen and in certain states. And so now it's looking at what states, because not only do you have the government, like, you know, the corp, the, um, sorry, the executive um, the main Congress, you also have the states. So you're looking at a mixture of federal and state and how do these rulings come into place and what states will favor you, even if there's rules and policies coming out. I say one thing is to get into um, a group or have somebody that's in your realms that knows these policies that you can reach out to or collaborate with that you can actually keep up to speed. I think one of the things that a lot of us business owners um like get impacted is we just don't know sometimes unless it's like really big. There's different policies across all different things from compliance training. You'd be surprised at all the different types of compliance training that companies should be doing. And a lot of them know, some don't, and some don't know because maybe they're growing and they just didn't know they have to do compliance training, inclusion, these, all these different things are new. And one of the things that um, I was reading on and, and kind of picking up is any policies that are coming into place if you don't have something written for your company, then your employees, your company does not know how to actually go through with the policy. So it's important to have things that are written. What, you know, having a handbook's great, but also your policies, writing down what you guys believe and how this policy will impact your team, how you guys are going to follow through with it, what's the repercussions if people don't follow through with it, and just giving like a, a guideline for things. And if it be taxes to policies that you are keeping aware so you can actually take action. Because usually the, the problem is, is, we're, we're reacting. So right. something happens, we react. That reaction may not be what we wanted to react as after we reacted. <laughs> um, be careful what you write and what you say online um, this coming year. I don't care who comes in. Just be careful, be mindful of what you're putting out because anytime you put something on a website or you put something on social media, it's a written form. And I think that this year we've already seen it. You need to be yeah. careful. Um, doesn't mean you can't say what you want to say. I mean, obviously we have the, the freedom to say what we want, but also how's that impacting your business and how can you um, keep yourself protected a little bit more and also, um, you know, keep the company moving forward. So yeah, that's like, that's like, that's like with anything else. People who think don't own their business don't realize that a lot of times that when you own a business, your personal life, as much as it should be, is never really separate from your business life because one reflects on the other, right? Your reputation as a business tends to re reflect on your reputation as a person, right? And vice versa. If you're saying stupid stuff on social media or any platform out there, and you may run a successful company, but they're going to look at you and go, you're just a jerk who has a successful company. And that's just it. You know what I mean? You're not really looked at well, where if you're just an employee, you may work at that place, but you're not considered the 
identity of that place. And I think as CEOs and owners and things of that nature, you really need to take a step back. Like you said, it's not that you can't say it. It's just how you say it matters. Yeah. Right. And just know that you might have an impact with what you say. So um, it's just, I think it's just good advice. I've seen other people saying the same thing. Um, Communication is going to be key. So I think being in communication, especially if you have teams, um, a lot of times we just, people just don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. Like you're saying, like policy and government, most people don't understand how government works in all levels. I mean, you ask me some detailed questions, like how does electoral college work? Oh my gosh. I had to go back and do a refresher, right? It's like, how does it work? Um, And I think it's just because we are so busy with what we're doing and what we're in that sometimes we don't take the time to really find out what's happening and what the impact is. A lot of things that are happening, I mean, AI is growing. How does that impact your business? You're like, well, it doesn't impact me. Well, it might, depending on what industry you're in. And we don't really know the effects of it or the ramifications until it happens and we're reacting, right? Like the coronavirus. So so before we get into technology, because I'm not sure if you have the time. I know you're busy and I'm busy. I made, I made time for this so we can go as long as you want, but, um, is it now now more important than ever for a company to be ISO certified? That's a great question. Um, well, you brought up policies and procedures, right? And we're talking about how appearances Mm -hmm. matter. Um, ISO is not really for the companies it is much for a client, right? It's really the procedures and put in place that are certified by a compliance, you know, uh, team to say that working with them is going to be at a higher standard. So in your mind, since you delve in your, in the (laughs) trenches with these owners, um, is ISO more important now than ever? I think I would like to do a little bit more homework on on that myself, just because I haven't dealt with that. So just to be honest, I mean, knowing that um, now I got to do my homework. (laughs) So I'll tell you what, (laughs) we'll save that one for for, say next week. I'll go do my homework and come back. Okay. And do you want to move forward with technology? You want to do that one next week? Um, We can do that another time. I mean, I think one thing I just want people to walk away with is in in any type of fear you're facing. Um, it's natural to have that fear, but don't live in it. Know that you have a way to make solutions. I love the, if there's two solutions to every problem you face, try it. You can, you can come back at me and say, there's not two solutions. I bet you and I can have a conversation and we'll find two solutions to every problem. So, well, I don't think there's, I think there's more than two solutions. I mean, the the problem is not, it's not, it's not finding solutions. Um, I think it's finding the best solution because there is multiple options depending on the industry you're in, the company, uh, how your company's designed, right? Um, There could be multiple solutions, but the problem is, is are you creating more work for yourself under this solution? Is it really costing you more on the overhead, this, that, or the other thing? What are the headaches involved? Um, What is the actual reward to the client? by doing it this particular way, right? I mean, because you could do it in a way that makes you more money, but making you more money may not make it a better experience for the client. So I think when you look at it, there can be more than one solutions. I think you need to prioritize what the solutions are and you can come to your two or three. I believe that. Um, But I think that also comes what you said. You really need to do that initial soul searching as a company or as the salesperson who's or we'll say relationship expert, right? Who's dealing with mm-hmm. that client because that that information is the most important part to getting to the solution what really really is important because at the end of the day if you're in sales you're not going to sell someone on relationships um if he's a bottom line guy and you're not going to sell someone on the bottom line who doesn't think his clients are being taken care of and he's scared that the first bad experience everyone's leaving so um, I don't think there is a one suit fits all. I think there is that, you know, again, we I tried to bring it up earlier. What is the best type of owner, right? What type of personality fits these industries better, which we did not delve yeah. into, but we'll we get can. there. We can. We can. We can get there. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I see what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, I think there's many different things. And as far as fear, you know, um, maybe it's the Marine in me. Um I'm not going to say I just don't care. I just come to a point in my life that um, 
I'm going to deal with it. It, does, it doesn't matter. I can't stop it from happening, right? I can only make the best decisions. And you just got to come to a point. It doesn't matter if I have kids, no kids, mortgage, no mortgage. It doesn't matter what I have because um, I'm not the only one being impacted. You know, I think a lot of people have this defeatist attitude these days that it's me. The world's against me. And I'm not going to say I haven't had it. I've had some you know, really crappy experiences and been like, is there if there is a god he really just didn't like me today right today was a bad day i did something really bad today right <laughs> uh, i think we've had that those feelings and i think people need to understand those feelings are natural we've had them before the pandemic may be exasperating them but yeah. you got to do the same thing and you know uh this isn't the first time in this country's history that people have been hit with a problem um, right. And it affects everybody, just everybody differently. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I want to say thank you for the time. I'm going to, I really appreciate it. And I'm going to stop the recording here. Um, okay. But, and then I want to talk to you about possibly doing this again. I absolutely love this. So Amanda, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Such a pleasure. All right. I'll talk to you. Hold on. <laughs>